everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend on Spotify or wherever you guys are listening to the podcast. I am the host, Josh Sanchez, and the purpose of Your Spiritual Best Friend is to connect spirituality, mental health, and astrology all in one because it's important for everyone to realize that we are all on our own spiritual journey at the end of the day. So the more we open up, the more we are able to connect with each other and grow as a collective society. So sit back and relax and enjoy your spiritual best friend. Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, I got a chance to interview psychotherapist, grief counselor, and author Ashley Davis Bush. Ashley and I have a wonderful conversation about her journey from becoming a grief counselor to really finding herself and finding her spirituality to even talking about relationships and a lot of wonderful advice for you guys to listen and hear. Like I mentioned before, Ashley is a psychotherapist and grief counselor, and she's been doing this for quite some time now, and she really helps her clients with processing and going through the grieving process. We all have moments in our life where we might have to experience grief, and one of the first steps that Ashley always recommends is for us to validate ourselves and to find people that can validate our feelings, so that way it can really help us open up emotionally and help us process the grief and stuff. Grieving is a very long journey, just like anything in life. There's going to be highs and lows, and me and Ashley really have a wonderful conversation about that. Ashley is a healer, and she has a great passion for helping others, so you can check out the links to her books and also to her services by clicking in the links in the show description. And like always, guys, please like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Your ratings and subscriptions will help boost the podcast overall. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Ashley. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend. I am your host, Josh Sanchez, and I'm here with a very special guest, Ashley. Ashley, how are you doing, and what's going on? Hi, Josh. I am terrific, and I'm so happy to be talking with you today. Yeah, I'm also ecstatic as well. I know you reached out via email, and I I really appreciate you wanting to come on the podcast. And we're going to have a lot of fun with with our conversation because I know you're very passionate with what you do. And that just leads me right to my first question. So, Ashley, describe to me a little bit of like your journey, you know, like how did you find that passion to really help others, you know, and, and really be there for others? Where did that really start from for you? Okay, well... I want to just first of all say I'm turning 60 years old this fall, and so this is a great time for me. I've been doing a lot of kind of life review and reflection on where I've come in my life, but I was in my early 20s, and I was in New York City at the time, and I was working in public relations, and this was after having like three jobs in three years and just kind of feeling like I was bouncing around, couldn't quite find my way, and I I felt like there's something I'm supposed to be doing here on this planet. I know there's something here for me. I just haven't found it yet. And at the time, I just uh, went on kind of a walkabout, if you will. That's what they do in Australia, where they go on a walk and just kind of, you know, like a vision quest or something and try to figure it out and find it. And I was in New Mexico and I was literally climbing on this small mountain. I'm not a climber, so it was a small mountain. And I had this sense, I'd sort of talked up to what, you know, I call God. It's just a name. You can call it spirit, creator, great one, divine mother, all that sort of energy. And I just said, what do you want me to do? I'm here. I'm ready. I want to serve. And the answer that came back to me, I didn't hear it in my ear, but I felt it in my body. And it was, you need to be of service to help people in emotional pain. And I just got the message. I was like, okay, I can do that. I love that. That's what I love to do. And it was already happening naturally that people would just talk to me about their problems. So 
anyway, I went back to New York after that and I started school to become a therapist. And I have been a therapist for over 30 years and I have loved this field. It is the world of mental health is so interesting. It's so important. I've been so honored to be a part of people's journeys because what happened quickly when I was in graduate school, my very first client was someone who'd had a terrible, tragic loss. Her sister had been murdered and she came to me for grief counseling. And right away I was like, ah, this is what I'm supposed to do. And even though I hadn't had a major loss at that time. I just knew what it felt like. I knew what it what to say. It felt like it was coming from other lifetimes, that I'd had many, many losses in other lifetimes. And I came to this lifetime to help the grievers. And so I've written three books about grief and I've been working with grievers as well as other kinds of mental health issues for all these years. And I just know it's exactly what I was supposed to do. So I feel so grateful that I fulfilled that calling. Well, Ashley, first I want to say and and commend you as well, because you've been helping people for so long now and especially helping people that have experienced grief. I can only imagine like just what what like going through like a loss would really put us through, you know, because for me, like I lost my grandpa when I was in second grade. So I was young. So like I sort of I sort of got it. But like as I've gotten older, I've started to like realize like, dang, like his loss impacted like my grandmother and it still impacts her today, whether or not she'll admit it or not. But but it's crazy how much like a loss definitely impacts us. And that really leads me right to my next question. So I know you've been really good with like helping clients that experience grief and stuff. Tell me, talk to me a little bit of the process. Like how would you help someone that is going through grief? So let's say they lost someone very very special to them. Like what's like the first steps that you would do to really help them? Well, the first thing I do is validate their experience and let them know that they're not crazy because usually they're feeling this intense amount of all kinds of emotions, anger, sadness, sorrow, depression, anxiety, regret, guilt. And and it's just sort of, it's so intense and it's so deep. And most people in their lives do not want to hear it, do not want to know about it, want to talk them out of it, want to fix them, want to tell them to get on with it. And I really provide a container, if you will, where I just hold their pain. And I let them know it's important to feel it. It's important to own it, to honor it, to express it. And I will do that for months with someone because they're being told by society, you got to wrap this up. You got to get back on the horse. You got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. We, We don't like pain and we don't like people to come unglued, if you will. But the whole process of grief is letting yourself break down so that you can eventually build back up and build back up in a different way. But so much of what I do is just validate for people that what they're feeling is necessary, it's normal, it's important, and they're not going crazy. Yeah, Ashley, and and just to add a little bit as well, like like validation is so important because especially when we are when we are experiencing something that is of like high stress and very just like our feelings, you know, like we're human beings, like we feel all these emotions and stuff. And if we don't validate those emotions, you know, and suppress them, it just builds and builds and builds. And that just leads me right, right to like my next question. So like, I know you mentioned like validation. Why do you think so many people like struggle with, with validating others and like what they're going through? Mm-hmm. Well, because pain is so painful and most of us can't tolerate other people's pain. It, it makes us too uncomfortable. So if you're a friend and you have someone, another friend who's grieving, you, you don't really want to hear their stuff. In fact, it's just too hard. It's too painful. It triggers too much in us. So it's, it's kind of a natural aversion to pain that we have in general. In some ways that serves us well, like physically, we want to avoid pain because pain could be too much and could kill us. And we kind of emotionally think that too, that, oh, it's too painful. Let's just get away from it. It stirs too much in me. But emotional pain has to be felt in order to heal. And that's, um, we just, we we're not taught that when we're growing up. And so most of us see it as sort of icky and scary, and we don't want to see it in ourselves. And we certainly don't want to see it in other people around us. So I know we talked about like the beginning steps of like grief, you know, like 
being able to validate and and understand like our emotions. My next question, just building off of that, because I, I know you've been helping people with for this for a very long time. What's like the next steps that like we can like go through and like process, you know, to really help work on like, our emotions and like that grief. So now that we've acknowledged it and we're learning to like process our stuff emotionally and letting our emotions just like feel validated and, and processed, what's like the next steps that you would, that we would take to really just work on like ourselves and to still process that grief? Cause it is a long journey. There's going to be highs, there's going to be lows and what's like the real next steps. Well, I try to educate people about grief. So I'll do a psychoeducation piece to help them understand what's coming. That not only do you validate the pain, but I try to explain to them that, okay, you're going to need to express it. You're going to need to share it with other people who get it. And ultimately, sort of as the journey unfolds, um, after you're patient with yourself and compassionate with yourself and validate, express, share, I start to try to work with people to see if we can make a shift and um, to see that they're not going to be their old self again. So what new self is being born? And in my last book, which is called Light After Loss, it's all about how to take this terrible, hard, awful, challenging experience and turn it toward light. And by that, I mean towards growth, towards goodness, towards love, towards helping other people? How do you take what's happened and use it to move you forward on your journey? Yeah, Ashley. And and, and that's really cool that you've like created a, a book that really focuses on helping people. And I'll, I'll give you the, the floor when it comes to your book. Like I know for every book that you create, you know, like there's a story behind it. Tell me that process, because I know you mentioned that you've written a couple books now. Tell me your thought process from book one to book three. Yeah. Well, actually, Light After Loss was book 10, Josh, if you can believe it. (laughs) Still, it still blows my mind. I can't even believe it either. And in fact, I had no intention of writing another book because all my books um, through the years, that's over 25 years that I've written 10 books, although the last eight books have been in the last 10 years or 12 years or something like that. I can't even keep track. But anyway, they come to me as sort of ideas often at night in my dreams, and I'll wake up and start thinking about it and kind of noodling over it and writing down notes. So each book has felt like an invitation from the beyond to write this. And I kind of just, I'm just the vessel through which it comes. But I was totally done. I had moved to Guatemala with my husband. We were empty nesters. I said, okay, I'm done with books. I'm really winding that part of my career down. It is a lot of work. And we moved to Guatemala and I'm like, I'm studying Spanish, I'm taking salsa lessons, I'm having fun, I don't wanna write any more books. And then what happened? Well, March of 2020. And that would be the global pandemic of uh, the coronavirus. And so that changed a lot of things for everybody, obviously, as you know. And what happened in Guatemala is they actually shut down the airport for six months. No one could leave the country. No one could come back in the country who wasn't a resident. Um, I mean, technically, you could leave on a repatriation flight, but we chose not to. And eventually those ran out and you really couldn't leave. And there was nothing to do because the whole country shut down. You couldn't go to restaurants. You couldn't go to museums. You couldn't go to parties with your friends. You couldn't go out and about. So I had a lot more time on my hand than I imagined. And the idea of light after loss came into my head basically through... um, both through a dream and also through talking with an editor. And um, anyway, at the time, it just kept growing in my mind. And usually what happens, it grows in such a way that I, I have to write it. That's how it feels. I can't not write it. It's like asking me to be written. So I just sat down and started to write it. And it usually takes anywhere from six months to a year to, to churn out a book. And so I really consider Light After Loss a gift from from the COVID time, the shutdown of 2020, that it needed to be born. Yeah, isn't it so crazy how like an idea or like you experience something, you know, just leads to a different avenue and things, you know, and and like, and as I was hearing your answer, it was just like, wow, like it's crazy how like you wanted to stop writing and then the pandemic happened and then you just had more, you felt more of this energy, this calling to continue and now you created like your other book. So it's, it's just very interesting to me how, so how life operates sometimes. I don't know if you feel that, but I... Yeah, 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think people have to just be open. What's what's the universe trying to bring into your life? Where are doors opening? Where are do- doors closing? And you just want to let yourself be led so that you know you're on the right path. Definitely, Ashley. And I, I definitely think that is one of the pieces of, of some great advice, you know, is just keeping your avenues open. And if when things close, you know, that's okay. Something new is going to happen. And that just leads me right to my next question. So I know you've been working in the, in the mental health field for so long now. How much has it changed from when you first started to like now? Hmm. Interesting. Well, there's certainly been new research. There's a lot more emphasis on neuroplasticity now, which is about the the way the brain changes. And there have been new techniques. Um, EMDR, I'm a big fan of. I've been trained in. It stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing, which is a, a very specific technique for healing trauma. And that's come in in the last maybe 20 years, I would say. So they're, they're, I guess what I'm saying is there are new techniques and ideas coming through all the time through research. But a lot of the core elements of mental health in, in many ways are the same. Certainly the grieving process in terms of having to take the journey and let yourself feel what you're feeling, that's kind of at core the same. And even now there's research that will show with in terms of therapy, what therapist um, training or, or what their modality is, which one heals better. And the bottom line is that it it almost doesn't matter which modality or training or technique you're using. It has to do with the human relationship between the client and therapist. So at the end of the day, we still have the same needs we had before. And that is for connection. That is for being understood. That is for trying to find ways to be calm in the midst of a storm. And we need to feel attached in some way to have that happen. So those core needs are still the same as they've always been and uh, even with new medications or whatever's coming out in the world basically the bottom line is we we are human beings having um, a human experience I, i would say we're spiritual beings having a human experience and we can't do that alone we need to attach to people to have that happen and how we attach to others and how we relate to others definitely has a strong impact on our own personal mental health. Have you guys heard about Anchor by Spotify as being the easiest way to make a podcast? Let me explain. It's free. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Best of all, when even hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, like I said before, Anchor is totally free. So pick up your phones, laptops, or whatever you use and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope to hear your podcast. I really like how you ended your answer. You know, like we are, I I completely agree with we are spiritual beings experiencing a human experience. And I definitely think over time, that human aspect has been lost. And I feel like now we're starting to realize that it doesn't matter what time period we're in, you know, like that human element is so important and it's so vital, that human connection, feeling needed, feeling like understood, you know, and heard, like like letting yourself process things and connecting with other humans that are able to validate you and stuff. It's so, it's so important. And I definitely think just over time, as, as much as stressful like the pandemic was, I think it was a really good wake up call for everybody to really like, we really need to prioritize mental health a little bit more. I know you mentioned in like a couple answers back, like a, like one of your first answers, how like you went on like a journey and you asked the universe, like what what is it like that you want me to do? For my next question, so it's pretty much just like advice you have. So let's, so now that you've taken a, this long journey, you know, you've written a a lot of books and you've helped so many people process grief and help them really go through the grieving process. What's some advice that you would give to somebody that is just starting out on their journey or some advice that you would give to yourself? 
Mm. You know, I would say, first of all, to understand that there's more going on than meets the eye and that there's there's a bigger picture to what we're seeing on a day-to-day life. So, you know, I call that spirit. I still use God language, but I, I don't always. So I, I do like the word spirit or energy source or divine mother, that there's, there's something bigger. And a lot of people will, you know, say, ah, religion is old school. Maybe it is, but there's more. Religion is about spirituality. It's not just a um, human-made or man-made structure. There's a, a whole spiritual element that is the core of it that kind of got lost in the process. So I would say look for the something more. Start to engage with it. Um, it could be through nature. A lot of people find spirit through nature. So spend time outside and not just outside, but touch it. Touch trees, touch leaves, look up at the sky. Invite your connection to the something more because it's within you and it's beyond you. And I think the more you can have a life that's not just about your circumstances, it's not just, oh, what's your job? Oh, who are your friends? Oh, what's your relationship? Are you paying your bills? Are you going on vacation? What are you doing this morning? What are you doing tonight? That life has to be more than just your circumstances. So I would, my advice to people is to cultivate this sense of your connection with the something more in your life so that you can have it guide you for your purpose here. Yeah, that was an, another spot on answer, Ashley. I, as I was hearing your answer, I was just like, yeah, like I, I completely agree when it comes to like, we need to be able, if we ever feel stuck, you know, it's just like giving yourself time, you know, to just connect with like nature, connect with, connect with things that you wouldn't normally connect with, you know, cause we're so focused in our own little bubbles, you know, we have work, we have school, we have relationships, we have so much stuff that like we kind of lose track of ourselves. And pretty much like your answer in the beginning, like a couple answers ago, you mentioned like we are spirits experiencing a human, like, you know what I mean? Experience that part tends to get lost as we are experiencing more of like the physical of the physical world and stuff like that too. So I completely agree, Ashley, and I really appreciate your advice and your openness to share your journey so so far and all the things you've experienced and also helping others process grief. But I think we should transition a little bit when it comes to relationships. Relationships play a very important role in our lives, whether that's with family, friends, loved ones. So what are some qualities that you really look for in just like a friendship or even like a romantic partner as well? You know, for me, I look for people who have a kind of vibration that matches with mine. And so what I'll say about that is people who have a more uplifted vibration, if you will. So I want people around me who live in gratitude, who are calm, who are wise. I don't, um, I don't choose to be around people who complain a lot, gripe a lot, who are sort of always in a bad way. Um, because, well, first of all, I, I work with people like that and I get paid to work with them. So if a, if a friend feels like a client to me, I'm like, no, 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 I, I don't, I don't do this. So not to say that I don't want to hear people's pain or their journeys, but I just, I need people in my life who are going to sort of lift me up and give me, feel like I'm getting uh, some nourishment from them and not just drain. And I think it's important to beware of emotional vampires, if you will, who will just kind of take, take, take and suck you dry. But for me, one of the um, big relationship changes um, in my life is that I guess it was 17 years ago, I'm I met my second husband. So I was married before and I had children and then divorced and then I have a new husband. And and so it's interesting because I think when you're young, when I was in my 20s, I married the man I had dated the longest, so to speak. It just was sort of the next step. We'd been dating a long time. Now we're getting into our late 20s. Let's just get married. It felt less intentional somehow. But in my second marriage, you know, I didn't have to have a second marriage. I could have stayed single, but it was very intentional. I chose him 
or I should say I didn't even feel like I chose him. I mean, he came into my life and it felt like a, a past life kind of connection. But in the end, it still was intentional to say, I want to spend my life with this person. And the qualities that I was describing before, that there was just some quality of this something more, something bigger, something spiritually connected that just felt very grounding and uplifting at the same time something vertical. So I like to think of the image of vertical versus horizontal. And for me, horizontal is everything of this earth plane, bills and medical appointments and just day-to-day living. And the vertical has to do with deep and high. So transcendent and grounded things that take you off of the horizontal plane, things that connect you to the something more. And sometimes it's nature, but sometimes it's um, a ritual or incredible music or being in a sacred place or uh, connecting to a spiritual life, to having a sense of connection to something beyond this plane. So I like people in my life that make me feel more vertical. I I completely agree, Ashley, as well. I I definitely think because I know you mentioned in the very beginning, like we are beings and we feel like each other's energy, you know, we feel like our vibrations, you know, and it's important to surround yourself with people, you know, that can help you connect and help you grow as well, you know? So it's like, I like your terminology, like the emotional vampires, because there's a lot of people out there that are emotional vampires where they will really just take you take all of your emotional energy because like you're focusing on making sure that they're okay and this this and this but then when it comes to your own emotional energy you know like that gets put in the back burner i also just want to add that thank you for being so open with sharing like your experience you know like going through like two marriages like pretty much what we talked about before we even recorded this podcast you know like relationships are meant to really teach us some things you know and like there's probably a lot of things that you learn from your first marriage that when it came to your second marriage, you know, like it was just a lot more smoothing, it's like smoothly and, and free flowing, you know, and, and that just leads me just like right to my next question to like, for you, like throughout your, your relationship journey, like what are some things that you've really had to learn for yourself, whether that's like setting boundaries or other stuff like that? What are some things that you've had to learn? Oh, that's an interesting question. I guess at the end of the day, I've had to learn to be more giving, that it's, it's, it's not always about your needs being met. It's sometimes about your partner's needs being met. And um, so in this case, in the second marriage, it was tricky because we became a blended family. I had children, he had children. So really for for quite a few years before all the kids launched, it was about taking care of their needs and then also taking care of my husband's needs with regards to his children. And that, that it's not always about your needs, that sometimes you're here to learn how to give and not just to take. And while we still need our needs to be met, we have to look at what our partner's needs are as well. And that hopefully at the end of the day, you're not selling your soul to fill their needs, that would be a problem. You need some kind of balance, but it's also just not all about having your needs met. You know, there's a a sense, I think sometimes in our society, we, we kind of have an entitled perspective of, well, they need to meet my needs and my needs are the most important. And your needs are important, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but sometimes you have to look at the other and say, well, what do I need to do to support them or to help them or to show up for them. Yeah, I I really like the part of your answer that I I really liked was like the idea of like that balance, you know, because like relationships, it's really, it's like, you also need to obviously like communicate your needs, but you also need to respect like your partner's needs as well. So that's where it adds like that balance and that harmony aspect as well. So that way you guys are just, because again, like that's what relationships are. It's like, we, we all have many relationships. We have relationships with ourselves. We have relationships with friends. We have relationships with family and a relationship that involves two parties, you know, like it's, it's two different people. It's two different energies, you know, that meet and there's gotta be some form of like common ground in order for the relationship to sustain. And, and if it doesn't, then, you know, like there's always other spirits, you know, there's always other energies that you can meet as well. So I really think that was a really great piece of advice. And I just picture as I was hearing your answer, I was just picturing, just like a balance scale, you know, just like balancing out your needs, but also your partner's needs. So that's right. 
Yeah. And a, a balancing act is really what it's all about. It shouldn't be weighted in one direction or the other. Definitely, definitely. And and I really appreciate you again, like your openness and stuff, because especially when it comes to like sharing your own journey and stuff, it can be it can definitely be, you know, a challenge, you know, especially like talking about a lot of stuff like personal stuff in public and stuff. So I really appreciate you, Ashley. So like my my last question, uh, just wrapping up like our relationship part of the conversation. I know being a therapist for you, you've definitely probably experienced a lot of like, like clients coming to you about like their own relationships and stuff. So like, what's some advice that you would give to somebody that is like really just like struggling with their relationship or really struggling to really find themselves in their relationship? Like, why do you think so many just like relationships tend to part ways sometimes if you get what I'm saying? I know I said questions at once. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's true. The divorce rates are high, breakup rates are high, but you know, not everyone's meant to be together. So forever, so to speak. So I don't think that breakups or divorces are failures necessarily. I think sometimes you're just supposed to be with someone for a while. You learn what you can, and then it's time for it to end. And that's okay. That doesn't mean it's a failure. It's just an end. But I do think that there are three um, A's that can kind of guide people. And the three A's are affection, attention, and appreciation. Affection, attention, and appreciation. Most people, going back to what I said before, really think that that should be for them. They want the attention, they want the affection, and they want the appreciation. But I'm saying turn this around and share that or spread that onto your partner. Are you affectionate to them? Are you appreciating them? Are you attentive to them? And usually the answer is no. Most people are all about what is he doing for me lately? Or how come he's not showing me enough affection? Or why won't he bring me flowers? Or, you know, I hear a lot of the me, me, me. Um, And again, it's not that your needs shouldn't be met, but it's also about balance. And so I hear people talking a lot about what they're not getting, but I ask if they are showing those other qualities to their partner. And the answer is always no, they've pulled in like a turtle in a shell, but it's hard. It's hard to, to sort of complain that you're not getting anything when you're also not giving anything. It's a different story if you are giving attention, affection, appreciation, and you get nothing back in return. That's a different story. But what usually happens is that people sort of go to their corners and they're almost like little kids or something like, well, he's not doing that. And then the other ones, well, like, she's not doing that. Well, someone has to break the cycle and be the giver. And then then eventually over time, you definitely want some reciprocation, of course, and the balance that we were talking about. But I guess I would invite people to say, you know, what kind of partner are you? Are you showing up as a good, loving, generous, kind partner? So don't just look at what you're getting or not getting. Look at what you're giving or not giving. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Podcash as a collaboration between Racket and Stir. Podcash gave away over $100,000 to up-and-coming podcasters as a way to support insanely creative and inspiring podcasters. We know how difficult it can be to get a podcast off the ground and running, but with Podcash, it's a great way to get cash and best of all, It's all free for your podcast. So if podcasting has been on your to-do list or you're already a podcaster, go to podcast.com to stay up to date with future podcast happenings. That's again, podcast.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-H.com. I hope to see your future podcast. Yeah, I I just I just picture you like in your sessions, you know, like just really asking like these real questions and then like just the clients are just like frozen. It's like, oh, like that was like that was a really good point <laughs> that you made. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to this day, just to just to share, just like to have a little fun. Um to this day I always give my therapist that I see like once every like couple weeks like credit. Like he always asks me just these like real and deep questions and I you just you just have to sit and really ponder like because personal reflection is so important we all need to take time to reflect on ourselves 
So I just, as I was hearing you just like, like ask like your clients these questions, I'm just picturing like, dang, like, just like, I would really have to sit and think and answer myself like, dang, like this, like, what am I actually doing? Yes, that's right. And those kinds of questions, they're great to get you thinking. And often I'll suggest to people to write about it. So I think journaling can help um, people sort of crystallize or identify what's going on for them, both writing about your feelings and writing about your emotions. I have grievers write, but also not just writing about what's going on, but stopping every now and then to ask yourself some prompts like what I'm learning about this is or what I see about myself now is, or what I'd like to be growing into is. So inviting yourself to just ponder more deeply. Definitely, and and for someone else that enjoys writing, uh, that's really helped me like process a lot of stuff that's been going on in my own lifetime and stuff. I, 10 out of 10, I, I recommend Ask, and like creating like little prompts for yourself to so that way you can really like reflect on hey like what things went right what are some challenges that I experienced like writing definitely is really good too especially for people that struggle with like communicating and explaining their their emotions like through like conversation you know so I definitely 10 out of 10 recommend but Ashley I've really enjoyed our conversation so far you've been so open to share your journey through relationships and also through like finding like your purpose and finding your work and I can really feel your passion and positive energy which is really great to feel when it comes to astrology Ashley my first question just for you when it comes to astrology like how do you feel about it overall have you ever had like your chart done before I'm just curious to know yeah, yeah. Oh, very open to it, definitely. And I've had my chart read through the years. It's been a long time. I think I had my chart read in my 30s and maybe my 40s. So two different times. I haven't had it read in a long, long time, but I'm very open, very curious. Yeah, I, I know that you mentioned that you, you you mentioned around the age of 30. So this is just something that's that's really fun. I always like to, to bring this up. So Saturn is the planet of like hard work and you have to really work hard in order to like rewards and like reap the benefits. It all depends on how much work you put in pretty much. So Saturn, so what a Saturn return is, it takes Saturn 28 years to go through all 12 like Zodiac signs. So what happens is around the age of 28 to 30, Saturn returns back to the same sign that you, that to like your sign that you were born in. So you know how we have a natal chart and yeah. So if you think about it, every 28 to 30 years, if you, if you think think to yourself, like, has there ever been moments like where like you felt more like energy or like, you know, like you felt more like like you really had to put in more work to get this or you really had to really reflect a lot to get to where you got around like that 28, 30, because it happens every 28, 30 years. So that's something where it's been big in like the astrology world. It's like Saturn returns. Ah, Interesting. <laughs> okay well since i'm about to turn 60 as i told you that means i'm coming around on my second round of saturn so that sounds important <laughs> yeah definitely it, it does and uh just before we really get into in detail when it comes to that i like to always start off with um just googling your sun and moon so your sun sign obviously is like ego like pretty much like your core roots and then your moon sign is how you process things emotionally. So this website called thehoroscope.co, it's a website where a bunch of people, they teamed up and they do little readings based off of what your sun and moon sign is. And they give you positives, negatives, perfect partner and advice. So it's going to get real just for a little bit, just to give, give you a little honesty. Um, but for you, you are a Libra sun with an Aquarius moon. And it says an original personality. Incentric and motivated, the Libra Sun Aquarius Moon personality will be at the forefront of changes in their personal and professional life. Positives for your Sun and Moon combination. Generous, honest, and resilient. Negatives can be indecisive and grumpy at times. Perfect partner, someone who is attentive to their needs. And word of advice for your sun and moon combination, they need to be more decisive, especially in private life. So as I give you your positives, negatives, perfect partner and advice, what are some thoughts that come to mind? 
partner being attentive. That's true. And my second husband has been more of that. So I guess that worked. And it's easier for me to be attentive as a result. A grumpy, that kind of struck out. That's pretty hilarious. I do get grumpy if I'm too tired, too tired, too hungry. You don't want that to happen. But I do feel that I'm generous and honest and resilient. And um, I like that. Of course, decisiveness is an, you know, uh, Libra, as you mentioned, is my sun sign. And the scale has always been the image of Libra, the scale. So I've always had this ability to see both sides, to weigh both, you know, perspectives and look for balance. So maybe that's that's sort of the Libra's dilemma is sometimes it's hard to make a decision because you can see both sides. So, but happily I have made good decisions in my life that have led me to where I am now. So, I, and I'm very happy. Yeah, definitely. And and just to add, I, that was really a spot on when it comes to like Libras again, because it's that balance scale. It's that you like to see both sides to the story. So with that, you know, like you, that can create a lot of like indecisiveness when it comes to like just trying to figure out like, oh, like I need to make a decision. But I mean, you have other aspects to your chart that kind of balance out and negate that as well. So like, that's why like, I always like to start off with just sun and moon. Cause that's like the basics, you know? And then once you look at like the other planets and stuff, like you start to really get like a, a very interesting, like, like picture into like how like your chart is and stuff. Cause it, cause we all have our own charts and it's really cool and fascinating. Um, so one of the things that, that like I noticed in your chart, because like uh, in the in the previous like reading, it mentioned a lot about like private life towards the end. Um, so your fourth house is like the house of like, like pretty much like when your childhood, you know, like so like how you like what families in your fourth house. It's a lot of stuff that like you don't really see in like the like outside because it's stuff that like it's private life, you know, it's like family and stuff. So for you, I, I have a question when it comes to like yourself because you have your Pluto. And you have your Uranus. So Uranus is the planet of freedom, like freedom, expansion. It's because it, Aquarius rules Uranus. So it changes once every like eight years around that time period. So it's a planet where like we feel it's like a generational planet pretty much. But but you have that and Pluto in your fourth house. So has there been moments when it comes to like your home life where like you needed to have like a new transformation or like a new birth? that you felt that like you needed to really like, like the need to like start over, try again, let's go to a different place, start over, try again. Have you ever felt that way throughout like your own spiritual journey? Um, well, in terms of my childhood, I grew up in Texas and left when I was 18, never lived there again, never want to live there again. Don't particularly feel a connection there. So yeah, I had a total transformation and knew it all along in my childhood. I knew I, I needed to not live there. So I guess that was the big transformation. Yeah, because because uh, Pluto, because the mixture of the two energies. So Pluto was the planet of like transformation, like, like rebirth, you know, like really trying to like start over, trying to find yourself again. And then also like Uranus, that's the planet of like freedom and like expansion, you know what I mean? It's like freedom, expansion, all that stuff too. So I can see how those two energies, when you were like 18, you know, like you really wanted to, and you never looked back because it was like, Texas was not, I did not feel this vibe in Texas. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> and then I know you mentioned you went to Guatemala too as well. So like you've, that's another place where like you've traveled and like yes. you went to as well. So I can definitely see a little bit of how that energy can, can like impact mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, and another thing that really like stuck out to me is because I know like you're a really good like healer and you're really good at like helping others, you know, and your Saturn is in the ninth house. So the ninth house involves, so like Saturn is the planet of like hard work. You got to work hard to get what you want to do, you know? So like the ninth mm -hmm. house is about like higher end learning, religion, spirituality. So for you, like having Saturn in that placement, you've had to really work and put in the work going to higher learning to learn more information to really find your spirituality, if you get what I'm saying. So, and then there's a thing called Saturn Returns as well. So I know you mentioned how you're in your second go round of Saturn Returns. Just two years ago, the pandemic hit. And like, I know, I know you mentioned how like you wanted to stop writing and stuff. 
But Saturn came back around and was like, you know what, I'm going to give you because Saturn because the reason why Saturn returns are so big is because it stays in the sign for two years. So during the two years, like maybe that was like a look, a good reminder for you, like when the pandemic hit, like you're a good writer, you've written so many great books, you know, here's another one that you need to do because it helps you with your spirituality. So did you do you feel as I'm describing a little bit, like, how do you feel about it? Yeah, yeah, I can see how that all works together. And, uh, you know, Saturn came back in and said, oh, heck no, you're going to keep doing this. It's part of the spiritual journey. So I definitely felt that uh, planet pull, I guess, because I, I, I think that's the other thing about in terms of advice for people that you want to listen to the calls and the pulls and the pushes. And that's why I say if you can get on this vertical sense that there are bigger things happening, even if it's just the planets around us, that there's more to this picture. Things are happening and you want to listen to your intuition and let yourself be guided because that's that's what it's all about. Your horoscope is pulling you to your destiny and you just want to be a willing participant. I, I completely agree. And and one of the last things I really wanted to add to, add to your chart. So Jupiter is, I like to describe Jupiter as like the frat bro of the planet. So you know how he mentioned Saturn's all, Saturn's like the grandpa where it's like, you gotta work hard to get what you want. Jupiter's the opposite. So Jupiter is like the frat bro that's meant to hype you up, to like boost your confidence here, to like, cause we all have parts of our personality that things just come naturally. So for you, you have your Jupiter is in Pisces. So Pisces are very emotionally in tune. Like they're very good at like, they're really good in sense of like dreams. And also they have a really good sense of imagination. So then Jupiter, so picture Jupiter is the planet that hypes up that energy. So you have Pisces as your Jupiter. So Jupiter in your chart hypes you up when it comes and gives you added confidence when it comes to being very like creative, listening to like your dreams, being like imaginative, you know, being a very like friendly and like kind spirit, because that's what Pisces energy is. And you have it in your 10th house. So your 10th house is sort of like your spiritual calling. It's like, you're sort of like, this is like my life purpose, you know, if you get what I'm saying, because house two involves like how you make money. House 10 is like the exterior. So it's like how your money and how you think like process things financially. This is like what you do for like work and like what like really gives you like that passion and drive. So when I, when I saw Jupiter and Pisces in your 10th house, I was like, wow, like that's really cool. Um, to see like how like there's like this boosted confidence to be a really good kind spirit for others trust like your own intuition and all that stuff too and you also have your chiron in your 10th house so chiron is like the the wounded healer so you have two energies clash in that 10th house so you have moments where like your creativity and stuff is expanded but then you also have moments where like you might feel like challenges in that aspect so as i'm describing that a little bit as well. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it's spot on. I certainly feel that in terms of being creative, imaginative, having the confidence in that. So that feels good. The clash, I'm not so sure what that means exactly, but you know, we're all wounded healers in one way or another. And I suppose it's just kind of the, the flow that sometimes there's a lot of creative energy and then sometimes the well kind of dries up at times. And, and I just trust that process. I don't question it. I don't worry about it. I don't need to try to manifest something. Like I said, you want to listen to when the doors close and look at when the doors open. But that that is interesting how much you can tell from that. And I love the idea of the frat bro. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so each planet there's there's benefic planets and then there's malefic planets. So benefic planets are planets that are meant to just like boost like your confidence, like things are supposed to flow more. So the benefic planets are Venus and Jupiter. Venus does it in a more calm way, more chill way. Jupiter does it in like a hyped up way. And for yeah, and and Mars and Saturn are the malefic planets. So these are the planets that are meant to push you, you know, like so if Mars is all about physical action. So some people like they just put themselves into so many situations that are that 
like it's just overwhelming like because that's what mars does it's very just like physical action the need to just like put yourself out there some people do it too much some people don't do it at all and saturn like i said is all about hard work and like you got to work hard in these avenues in your chart in order and once you put in the work you'll get rewarded but the, the but putting in the work is like that hard part aspect and well, the reason why I mentioned Chiron in, in like the last answer was just because Chiron, Chiron is like the wounded healer. So pretty much like we all have these like core wounds that we need to put in work in. So like I could definitely see for you, like that was probably something that you've had to realize, like you kind of just let like things, if, if things close, things close. If new avenues open, they open because like, because that's what Chiron does. Chiron is meant to like, it's a core wound. Yeah. But if we put in the work, we end up evolving and taking the next steps forward. So Chiron's actually meant to help us, but similar to Saturn, it's like you got to put in the work to to do that. So as I was, so it might be just like now, like you've put in so much work in like in like determination to do what you want to do that you don't really feel your Chiron anymore, which is great because yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that that could be. And you know, when when you're doing something you love, it doesn't even feel like work. I mean. Yes, it is work, but it's not torturous. It's not agonizing. You just enjoy it because it's you're in your flow and you're doing your purpose and you're in alignment. And you still need to relax and watch Netflix sometimes and <laughs> read a book and take a walk. But you know what? When you're doing your purpose, it just feels good. Yes, I, and and I completely agree, Ashley. And and I just want to say again, just thank you for being so open to share so much of your insight, and also being open to share about your relationship experience, and also even your astrology chart. I really appreciate everything, and you've been a really great guest. So, where can everybody check out all of your books and all of that fun stuff as well? Yeah, check check out my website on www.ashleydavisbush.com. That's AshleyDavisBushBush.com. Come on, come on over. I have lots of free resources and articles and stuff to check out. Of course, and I'll make sure to put the links in the show description so that way you guys can check out all of Ashley's work and check out all of her books as well and, and all that fun stuff. But Ashley, it's been an honor. Thank you for being a wonderful guest and please stay safe. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure.